Friends, we got a special episode for you today. I cannot emphasize that enough. We have a special guest. We're going to talk about the Twins offseason, what has gone to plan, what hasn't gone to plan, and what could still go to plan as the Twins report here in a little over a week. This is Locked on Twins. You are Locked on Twins. Your daily Minnesota Twins podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey, hi, how are you? It is another edition of Locked On Twins. I'm your host, Brandon Warren, and you can unfollow me on Twitter at Brandon underscore W-A-R-N-E. And I'm joined today by very special guest, 2023 Twins Twitter Rookie of the Year, or as I know him on the podcast here, not Dave Brown. It's Mr. Greg Masterson. Greg, thank you so much for hanging out. Hey, man, I appreciate it. It's awesome to uh, be able to see this podcast from the other side. I always wondered if you could see the intro while it was playing. So now I know. Yeah. Uh, well, we're going to be a little inside baseball today. You can follow, though, Greg, on Twitter at Greg with two G's, T Masterson, uh, reminiscent of Greg Olson from my previous podcast to this that 90s baseball pod highly recommended archive listening if that's your thing but thanks for making locked on twins your first listen every day we are free and available wherever you get your podcasts also on youtube and of course as part of the locked on podcast network we are your team every day also if you have questions or anything that you want answered on the show feel free to reach out at brandon underscore w-a-r-n-e or at locked on twins you are the lifeblood of the show, and we love to have you in the comments, especially as these shows roll on YouTube most nights, 11 p.m. Central. So very glad to have you along for the ride. Today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel. Make every moment more. New customers join today, and you'll get $200 in bonus bets if your first bet of $5 or more wins. Visit FanDuel.com slash locked on to get started. And Greg, First of all, can I just say I am I'm extremely grateful for you taking the time to come on this evening. Oh, yeah. I I mean, I I ain't got nothing better to do anyway. It's an honor that uh, I was invited to do this. So thank you, too. Yeah, no, um, more, more than happy to have you on. And uh, I'm going to just I'm going to pull the bandaid off. Why? How? Why? For what purpose did you join Twitter? Because it seems to me like you were a late-ish adopter of the uh, medium. Yeah, uh, I, I started a Twitter account in uh, 2023, or no, 2022, technically. It was uh, right in December. Uh, so I'm not sure if I still have my rookie eligibility for 2023, but um, I'm going to be honest, I, uh, I do not have many friends uh, in real life who enjoy baseball. Um, and so I decided to start a Twitter account devoted to talking twins. Um, I started uh, writing at Twins Daily because um, uh, I don't have anybody in real life to listen to me yammer on about the twins. So I decided to uh, go online and see if I could find anybody who would. You were, you, I, you had me vibing with you when you were saying not many friends. And then you said <laughs> who I can talk baseball with. And then everything kind of fell apart for me there. But, um, but I do appreciate your perspective. How I'm not, I'm asking necessarily from a personal standpoint, but like what drew you to baseball or how did you get into it? Oh gosh. Um, 
Well, it's the greatest sport on earth. Um, you know, I was uh, growing up, I played several sports. Um, baseball, though, uh, has always been the one that spoke to me. I was uh, not very good at it, um, but I mean, uh, it's it's a beautiful sport. Uh, there's nothing better than a day at the ball field. Um, amateur baseball, Legion baseball is huge in my hometown. So yep. that absolutely played a part. Um, seeing, you know, like regional tournaments growing up and all that sort of stuff. Yeah, I uh, I grew up playing pretty much all of those levels. And I played town ball until, let's see, I think I quote unquote retired in 2015. So I've been playing old man softball since then. And it, it I guess it scratches the itch, but it's not, it's not exactly the same, obviously, but it'll do. Um, so the twins and you know, kind of your relationship with them. It, how do you, how do you view your fandom? Are you glass half full, glass half empty, glass uh, in shambles, broken over the countertop? Like, I kind of have an idea of how you view the twins, but I don't know if the listeners necessarily do. Um, I love the twins. Um, I, you know, I grew up watching it. You know, some of my earliest memories are, you know, following the twins with my dad. Um, but I guess I affectionately uh, refer to myself as a bit of a sports nihilist, um, mm -hmm. sort of in the same way that uh, big J journalists are not rooting for the team, but rooting for storylines. I'm, uh, I'm just here for shenanigans. Um, you know, I love the twins. I want them to win, but I don't take it, you know, all that seriously. And whatever happens, um, I'm just happy to be watching baseball and, you know, maybe able to crack a joke here and there and uh, just enjoy it. That seems fairly healthy, uh, especially relative to perhaps what we see on a nightly basis when the team gives up or has the audacity to give up a single run in the first inning, because at that point, as you and I both know, the game is over. Uh, but the bylaws and Rob Manfred have mandated that with the most recent ratification of a CBA. Uh, is, it, is there anything else for you besides baseball or is it baseball, baseball, baseball? Because for me, baseball is like 1A, 1B, and 2. But then after that, I, I'm a Vikings fan, and I found myself getting really into the Wolves. And for work, I have to do these things anyway. But um, I, like, are you the kind of person who, like me, has the Timberwolves game on in the background right now? No, so I'm not a Wolves fan. I tweet about the Wolves a lot because I see them being talked about. I'm actually a San Antonio Spurs fan. Okay. Um, I have been my entire life. Um and I also follow the Rams, um, which, you know, uh, depending on the decade is awesome or the worst thing ever. Um, I, I enjoy, you know, both uh, football and basketball. Um, I, yeah, like you said, uh, twins are 1A, 1B, and 2. Um, still love the, uh, the Spurs and the Rams, and I love talk and shop, but... Uh, you know, I I definitely uh, care a whole lot more about baseball than anything else. So is it is it fair of me to see some sort of uh, symbolism in how your name on uh, Twitter is spelled to Popovich? <laughs> is that merely coincidental? That's merely coincidental. Uh, I don't think that his full name is Gregory with three G's, um, but no, I uh, Greg Popovich, you know, uh, as long as he wants to keep coaching, I'm going to keep believing in him. But mm -hmm. hasn't been looking so great lately. Um, 
I was really hoping that uh, Becky Hammond was going to get a shot. Yeah. Um, she was on the bench for close to a decade there and really thought she was doing a good job. But if Pop wants to keep coaching, Pop's going to keep coaching. Yeah, we do uh, game notes for those games. And let me tell you, uh, I've had a couple games or a, a, a maybe one game or maybe we had one game where uh, Wemby wasn't going to be playing. And let me tell you, the rest of that team is not particularly interesting. And you you know that as well as anybody. But, um, yeah, we'll see what happens. If there's anybody to lead a team like that, it's Pop, who did that uh, back in, like, 96 when they were started out terrible and he was hired. So we'll see what happens there. Uh, this isn't Locked On Spurs, though I do know we have a Locked On Spurs show. So I digress quite frequently. But um, we're going to talk about the offseason season. Uh, but I want to, I want to, we got a little bit of time here before we head into our first break. I want to lay out this. Um, what were your expectations for this offseason? Because it was kind of the great unknown for all the great things that happened in the postseason and at the end of the season. There was the cloud of the TV deal and, and what would end up happening there. And to, you know, Sonny Gray, the, the writing was on the wall that he was leaving, twins would need to do something you'd think to replace him. Uh, what were your expectations at the outset when, um, if depending on who you ask, Derek Falvey started his long winter slumber? Yeah. Um, you know, when the news came out that they'd be cutting payroll and it was going to be in part due to uh, the TV deal, I kind of did the math and, you know, you know, the, the classic rule is, you know, uh, 50% of revenue um, is going to payroll. It's probably not that accurate anymore. Um, yeah. But, you know, I was doing the math and I was like, okay, like going from 155 to 125, that's assuming that they're getting no TV revenue. Um, right. So my kind of idea was, you know, they might not get 55 again, it might be 30. Um, and so I could see, you know, the payroll bumping up to 35, 140. Um, that's what I was hoping for. I might have been, um, you know, misled in a little bit over, uh, over uh, positive, uh, optimistic. That's the word. Um, I'm not known to be one of those, but maybe I was there. Um, and for Sonny Gray, you know, I, I was not in favor of bringing back Sonny Gray. Not anything wrong with Sonny Gray. I just don't believe in paying 33-year-old pitchers $25 million a year for three years. Um, and so I knew that there wasn't going to be a Sonny Gray reunion. I was curious if they were going to, you know, replace him with another two-ish starter. Um, but obviously I was I was expecting Sonny Gray to walk out the door, leave with a compensation pick, and call it a day. That's exactly what happened. Uh, we'll come back here in a second because I do want to ask you a little, a little bit more about the whole coming out and saying the part out loud of cutting payroll, but first a word from our friends at FanDuel. <clears throat> Happy Super Bowl to all who celebrate. It's a very exciting time as we're coming up on the end of the NFL season, which coincides with the start of the MLB season. But if you're like me, the Super Bowl and the Sunday that goes with it is all about getting this best spot on the couch having some friends, family over, good food, all that fun stuff, watching the commercials. But it can also be about ending the season with a W or two or three with FanDuel. Not only can you bet on who will win Super Bowl 58, but FanDuel also has bets for which players who will score a touchdown, how many points will be scored, and much, much more. You really got to go check it out for yourself because 
We just don't have enough time to lay out every single aspect of it. New customers join today and you'll get 250 bucks in bonus bets if your first bet of $5 or more wins. Visit FanDuel.com slash locked on to sign up. That's FanDuel.com slash locked on. Make every moment more with FanDuel, the official sports book partner of the NFL. Now, I wanted to ask you, Greg, if... Uh, if you think they should have, or if they were doing it justice to come out and say, listen, the payroll will almost certainly be affected by this, getting out in front of the message is most of the time good, you know, from a PR standpoint. But it also kind of uh, rustled the jimmies, if you would, the of the fan base at a time when it was really not a great idea coming off, you know, a big playoff run, at least relative to the last 20 years. What did you think of them coming out and saying that part out loud? You know, with it being so quick after the end of the season, I I do understand, you know, people who um, take it a little bit personally um, that, you know, uh, they come off, you know, their first playoff win 19 years. And the first thing that they do, the first chance they get, they say, oh, by the way, we're cutting payroll by tens of millions of dollars. Um, you know, I totally get kind of the affective reaction to that. Um I don't think that it, you know, like you said, you know, it's usually a good idea to get out ahead of things. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, especially with a front office as tight lipped as the twins are, it was kind of surprising. And, you know, uh, people don't get mad about things that they don't know about. Um, and so just kind of throwing that out there to them, it's kind of asking for it. Whereas if they didn't really talk about it, you know, use their famous kind of generalities, um, and then, you know, we get to February and payroll is 125, whatever it is right now. All of a sudden, people will start asking questions no matter what, but they don't have three months to stew in that information. Mm -hmm. um, and so I, th I think that there was going to be a negative reaction to that. Um, but, you know, getting out ahead of it ended up with kind of just this dark cloud that everything was viewed through. Um, yeah. So that's kind of where I see it. So. As far as your expectations, where did they start? And then how much have they come like come full circle or evolved? Because like even if you had the rosiest of glasses on, you know, the idea that, yeah, they'll probably cut payroll, but I suspect they'll add a few guys, this and that. Uh, it was quiet for a really, really, like really long time until they signed Josh Stelmont. Yeah, um, and that's kind of the the Falvey special. Um, yep. You know, they are they're very committed to getting what they see as a great deal, um, and you know sometimes that involves going out and getting somebody. You know, maybe spending a little bit early in the off season, but for the most part, you know, the especially when you're talking about a team like they have right now, where. Um, you know, you need a, an extra reliever, right? You know, if we think that we need to replace Emilio Pagan, um, there's a ton of guys out there who could theoretically be an Emilio Pagan replacement. They need yep. a, another right-handed hitter um, at some point. There are a lot of guys who can be that right-handed hitter, you know, like kind of a glorified platoon, um, mm -hmm. preferably, you know, somebody a little bit better than Carlos Santana, Um but, you know, uh, that sort of player, you don't need to jump out in December and try to get that. You know, you can wait until the market plays out and it's January, February, and you had a list of 17 guys that's narrowed down to five and you can kind of select from that. 
But, you know, at this point, we're getting so close to spring training. There are a ton of questions as to, okay, we're running out of time. Um, So what is this team actually going to look like? They do make moves in spring training, but I don't know. It's uh, as time goes on and there are more and more hints that they are very, very uh, tight right now with their payroll room. Who knows, man? I've gotten discouraged over the offseason, but at the same time, they have a solid team to start out with. Yeah, as far as the offseason's gone, even if you started out uh, as you know the low man on it, mm-hmm. how much has that been tamped down? Because it sounds as though it's a fair amount. Yeah, I mean, it it is, but at the same time, you know, some of that was just wishful thinking on my part and a lot of fans' parts. Um, so it's not like I'm, uh, you know, upset <laughs> with anybody. I wasn't wronged in that regard. Yeah. Um, but I, I did think that they were going to be able to push payroll a little bit more, um, maybe go out and get a guy that's, you know, you know in trade that is uh, making more uh, than Di Sclafani, something like that. But mm-hmm. at the end of the day, like, I feel okay with the Twins roster as is. It's just, you know, everybody kind of dreams that, uh, they could make one more move and, you know, put it just a little bit higher. Uh, you know, Pakoda just came out today with 88 wins. Like, what could they do to bump that up to 90? Those types right. of things. So you are you mentioned Sonny Gray, and I think I uh, know the answer pretty obviously here, but you're not looking at how this offseason has shook out and reconsidering going back and offering Sonny Gray what he got from the Cardinals, that even though they could still use that pitcher. Like, your, your view on that hasn't changed, even though uh, pretty much – all the starters of value have flown off the the shelves to this point? No, no. Sonny Gray, thank him for his service. He had a terrific couple of years. Um, Mm -hmm. Like I said, I'm not into paying 33-year-old pitchers $25 million a year and hoping that they're still worth it when they're 35, 36. Um, What what would Chase Petty have to become for you to regret the trade? Shoot. Um. (laughs) Gosh, I would say uh, to regret the trade, it's got to be pretty high. Um, you know, I, I'm totally fired with his like uh, six years of war under team control being yeah. considerably higher than Sonny Gray's was. I'm totally fine with that. Uh, mm-hmm. I would be fine with him having a year or two better than Sonny Gray. Um, if he is, you know, a six-time All-Star uh, by the time that he's 30, yeah, you're going to regret that a little bit, but you've you've got to make those moves. Um, you've got to give up something that hurts when you are going to grab somebody like Sonny Gray, who was on that contract had, you know, so was so affordable for two years. Um, it, it's gotta be a pretty high bar. Yeah. No question. No question about that. Um, did you have like, again, looking back with everyone who signed or, or if in theory that player is still available, when you look at the, starting pitcher market that happened or that there was, is there anybody you're, you're looking at like, Oh man, at that price, that's who I would have wanted the twins to land. Yeah. That's a, you know, a lot of the guys who were at the top of the market, you know, I would have uh, held my breath and said, yeah, okay. I would have been okay um, with say the NOLA contract. Um, sure. You've got to, you've got to hope it works. Um, but obviously that wasn't in the cards. Um, I've got, I've always had, I've had a soft spot for like Michael Waka, um, that level of guy, uh, Waka has been pretty impressive, you know, not great peripherals, but he's had a great ERA. Um, 
you know, in terms of like the guys who have signed, you know, there, there hasn't been somebody I'm, like I said, I, I just don't really believe in paying huge sums for pitchers who are in their thirties um, and hoping that they're still intact when they're 35, you know, I, I could have uh, you know, and I, I kind of subscribe to sort of uh, the twins theory uh, that you you pay for uh, pitchers with a trade value and, you get, you know, the last three pitcher or the last three years of their team control or something like that, um, which, you know, hurts in prospects as well. But when you are dealing with the realities of a budget, um, it's hard to justify paying $25 a year uh, to anybody who could just, you know, their elbow could just snap at any time. And now you're potentially out three, four years of a $25 million pitcher. Yeah, I think the only one near the top of the market that I would have really been okay with was Eduardo Rodriguez. Yeah. And he comes with his question marks. I mean, he had the heart stuff after having COVID. And, you know, the, the nice thing is uh, he hasn't got the, and I don't mean this derisively, mileage on his arm that a lot of guys who are 30 going on 31 have. And four-year deal for a guy who's going to be 31 an $80 million. So $20 million a year for a guy who even at 30, I think could still be, I think his peak is as a pretty good number two. Yeah. I'd be okay with that. But like Seth Lugo, eh, Lucas Giolito at that price, not really Stroman. Eh. And even Waka, like I think his second act has been good, but I don't know. I mean, two years, not really that risky, but otherwise it's a land of misfit toys. Are you giving 16 million to Frankie Montas or 14 to Jack Flaherty without knowing what he has left. And then once you give uh, James Paxton is the other one that I felt like was kind of a miss um, lefty, which, you know, they don't have much of in the system right now near the big leagues. And, you know, at an age where he's only going to go one to two years at a time, I thought Paxton maybe was the sweet spot for them in free agency. But, uh, you know, I think he still harbors ill will from that bird attacking him. On, uh, I say that bird, like it's not a freaking Eagle. Uh, that, that attacked him at target field, uh, you know, feeling slighted as a Canadian, it's probably pretty hard to come back from. Yeah. And I mean, like you said, um, they're really with very few exceptions. There were, there weren't really pitchers that went this off season, even if the twins did have a 155 payroll, um, yep. that somebody, you know, signed elsewhere. And I was like, gee, you know, I, I think that the twins missed the, missed the boat on that one. Even if there was a fit, you know, they had $30 million to spend and it's not my money. And still a lot of those contracts make my stomach hurt. So let's assume trades are still in play. Dave, Dave and I talked about this in the most recent episode or maybe the one before that, where he's convinced the twins are done. I'm convinced that they're not, I, you know, they always come up with something. You think they're done. They come right back at it. And I even said today on Twitter or X or whatever you want to call it that uh, the Derek Fowley moves in darkness. Now, in fairness, it's dark at noon in Minnesota in the winter. So he really has no choice but to move in darkness. But it, when you think he's done, he usually has something else up his sleeve. If that's the case, well, first of all, do you think that's the case? And second of all, who are your favorite guys for him to target? Oh, yeah. Um I definitely think that that's the case. I mean, he doesn't close that book until, you know, it's forced closed on him. They made a trade, uh, like they traded away their closer 
on literally opening day. Like yep. I, I am never counting these people out. Um, you know, if they are, and I shameless self plug, if you don't mind, I did write about this at twins daily uh, over the weekend um, following the Carlos Santana move. Basically Nick Gordon doesn't really have like a strong role on this team. If you start like trying to figure out how he's going to get on the field. Um, I think that they do have kind of a bench role to play with. Mm-hmm. Um, and I do think that somebody like, um, you know, Duvall is the guy I kind of stump for. You know, I'm not huge on him, but I think that he fits pretty well being able to play in the corners. He can, uh, you know, run around in center field and get away with it to an extent. He's not a complete butcher. Um, mm-hmm. If you need him to, he can probably play some first base again. Um, that sort of uh, signing. Um you know, Tommy Pham group him in. And then, you know, from a kind of different perspective, uh, Michael A. Taylor could fit on this team. Again, he wouldn't be kind of the bat that Duvall and Pham would be, you know, you're not looking at him to be, you know, in the opening day lineup at DH, like the other two probably would be if they were on the team. Mm -hmm. Um, But I I think that they do have, they have room for a right-handed outfielder. If Nick Gordon was right-handed, I, I think I, my tune would be slightly different, but I think he's kind of redundant um, right now, unfortunately, with Castro. and um, yeah. I don't know. I, I think that there is room for a right-handed outfielder. If they were to, you know, I heard, um, gosh, what's the guy's name? Um, Harold Ramirez um, mm-hmm. out in Tampa Bay. Um, I heard his name get bandied about a bit, you know, and he can play both corners and first base if you need him to. Um, that sort of player, I think, if the Twins are going to make another move, it's going to be somebody like that. Yeah, I think Taylor could be a luxurious, like exceptionally good fourth outfielder. As far as starters, though, do you think they're done? Like, do you really think they're done? I think I think they're done. You know, I could see because, I mean, with with payroll right now, I, I don't see them bringing in somebody who's making like more than I don't know five six seven million. Um, well, and that's where the trade comes into play, like, right? And so Ricardo, I, I will stump for nonstop. Uh, you have to give up everything you have for him, or a lot of what you have, but it fits the timeline, it fits the payroll, it fits where they're at right now. And I just I see them trying to copy the Pablo Lopez template. Where Luzardo works for me is, you know, still young, throws the crap out of the ball. And he's in a contract situation where he's going to have an extra year of arbitration based on service time, which we all know Miami has no business or interest paying. So that's why I keep coming back to him. Um, But with that said, I'm not Luzardo or bust. Edward Cabrera be fine. And I know it's a different Marlins front office, so it's not like they're talking to the same people. But it doesn't have to be the Marlins. I I could see them pulling a rabbit out of their hat for something completely random, but I just, I don't think they're done. I have this nagging feeling that they have one more move. That's going to, you know, something we need to buckle up for to steal a phrase. Yeah. I mean, I could definitely see them. Um, you know, I, I, they are seem fairly attached to their top four. Um, when you loop in, um, Gabby now, um, yeah. So I, you know, I think that it's going to be hard to pry one or two of those out of their hands to go get somebody like Luzardo. Um, but I, I could also see, and I've kind of talked about this, um, some some pitcher that is totally not on anybody else's radar right now, um, fans speculating, whatever, um, that is, you know, 
uh, in his last year of pre-arb or in arb one, it, you know, used to have a, a ceiling um, that people were excited about um, and just hasn't like come to fruition. I could definitely see them targeting somebody like that, that they say, oh yeah, we've got like one tweak away um, from turning this guy, you know, from a five pitcher into a three. And that's yeah. valuable too. And, uh, you know, the prospect capital is much less and you've got three, four years of control potentially if you can tweak that guy from, you know, some 25, 26, 27 year old um, in from a five into a three, you know, sort of like they did with like Joe Ryan, right? He had yeah. fallen off of top 100 lists by the time they traded him. Um, and they've turned him into what was seen kind of as a back end starter into a mid rotation, potentially number two. Does Paul Blackburn or someone like that do anything for you? Yeah, I mean, definitely. You know, those are the those are the type of guys I kind of have in mind that, you know, mm -hmm. and there's two dozen of them in the league. And mm -hmm. if anybody, you know, is willing to, you know, part with their version of Paul Blackburn um, and the twins are into it, like I could definitely see that. I, I can't project who exactly it's going to be because, I mean, they've, you know, they've got their favorites and they don't usually mm -hmm. tell me about it. Yeah, no, they don't divulge that with just anyone. Um, last thing before I let you go, what do you think is a reasonable ex expectation? There we go uh, for Tony Tony Disco Anthony Desclafani because uh, not that long ago he was a pretty dang good pitcher. To me, it almost seems as though, and I wrote this today for Access Twins, he is like if you traded for. Tyler Malley, but you also Googled arm injury and, you know, do your due diligence, you know, like you're supposed to. Um, I think he could be okay if everything comes together for him. Yeah. I mean, he's really not that far removed from being a legitimate pitcher who all started you know, it, like uh, two, two off, two, three off seasons ago, whenever he was um, like that, he was, you know, fairly high on the lists for, well, maybe, you know, the twins could, you know, if they wanted to cut him, similar to what he had um, with the Giants, you know. Yeah. Um, I could definitely see him, you know, uh, having a solid year. I don't, you know, I don't have my hopes up that he's going to be like a mid-rotation starter. Um, I'm kind of preparing myself for him to be like a Dilly, Dylan Bundy-esque fifth starter. He's going to go out there. He's going to give you a professional start. He might not still have it, but he's going to, you know, not be a complete train wreck. Mm -hmm. um, and anything better than that is totally within the realm of possibility and it's gravy. Um, but I'm not counting on it. Yeah. Um, something like 1.7 war or something. Yeah, absolutely. I'd take that yeah. in a heartbeat. Well, Hey, thank you so much for taking the time to hang out and, uh, people can follow you on Twitter at Greg T Masterson. That's two T's in the middle, three T three G's, two G's in the middle, three G's total. There we go. Uh, <laughs> what are you working on now? Uh, content wise. Oh gosh, uh, I just uh, kind of emptied the clip. I am working on a uh, a Greg Media Guide that will be coming out at some point be before uh, before the season starts. Um, that will be filled with many jokes, um, uh, like a, the Twins official media guide. Imagine um, somebody who's uh, only functionally literate uh, writing something along those lines, and that'll be uh, the Greg Media Guide. Yeah, I don't have to imagine too hard on that. Well, hey, thank you. So much for taking time out from what I assume is a very busy evening. And uh, we've had a lot of fun. I would be delighted to have you on again. But for
For Greg Masterson, this is Brandon Warren signing off, saying thank you so much for checking out Locked on Twins, and we'll see you tomorrow night. She gone!